Good evening. It's good to see you tonight. It's good to see Brother Johnny Blackwell with us tonight. We're grateful that he's able to be here. He's been battling some health issues, and we are so grateful that he and Eva are both here tonight. And we want him to know that our prayers are with him as he battles. And we're grateful for the privilege of prayer, the power of prayer, and the many prayers that have been answered on our behalf. I do want to mention tonight very quickly that out in the foyer we have Discovery Magazine for Young People, and this is a product of Apologetics Press. It's an excellent publication, and these are free to you. We'd love to have you pick one up, and really, if you're an adult, you can learn from what's recorded here, as well as young people, but, you know, I think that we need to really instill in young folks the importance of apologetics, the fact that God is, and that He is the Creator not just the creator, but also the sustainer. And so I want to encourage you to take a copy of this if you have the opportunity. If you want a copy, there's one right there. All right, if you're visiting tonight, thank you for being here. We hope and pray that you are one who feels welcome here. We're always grateful to have visitors with us. We've had a number of folks that have placed membership. We encourage you, if you're looking for a church home, please consider the work here. We'd love to have you come and be a part of the work here. And listen, it's great to see all the young folks over here sitting to my left. And really proud of them and how they bonded together over the summer. And we pray that God will bless them richly in this new, in this new school year. And I suspect school is starting just in a day now. Uh, so I don't know if that's good or bad. But I'll let you be the determining factor in that. Tonight we're looking at two very special people. Lois and Eunice. And we read about them in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and chapter 3 tonight in our study as we think about a godly mother and grandmother. I want to begin tonight by saying how important godly mothers and grandmothers are, not just in the church, but in the world at large. And you think about some of the things that are going on in our nation, some of the things that are going on globally speaking. There are a lot of problems that exist in the home and in this country and around the world that could be corrected with the right kind of leadership in the home. And there are a lot of homes that have as their backbone a godly mother and a godly grandmother. And those of you who are here tonight, those of you who are a mother, a grandmother, maybe even a great-grandmother, we want you to know how special you are and how much we appreciate you. And I would encourage those of us who think about our mothers and grandmothers, I would encourage us to be thankful to God for their great leadership and their influence in the home. So I want to begin tonight by, first of all, talking about the insightfulness of these two ladies. Now, we read about them in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, of course, writing to Timothy. Timothy, as you know, was his son in the faith. We don't know anything really about the father of Timothy other than the fact that he was Grecian. We don't know if he was alive when this book was written. Don't know what kind of influence he had upon Timothy in his life. But I do know this. Timothy had a mother and grandmother that exerted tremendous influence in his life. And I really believe that they helped to shape 
and to mold him into the person that he became and that we read about in Scripture. So I want to begin as we think about the insightfulness of these two women. To first understand and appreciate the fact that they were interested in spiritual things. You know, there's a lot to be said for people who are interested in spiritual things. I can tell you this tonight. Those of you who have made the effort to come tonight have done so because of your interest in spiritual things. You're interested in growing closer to God. You're interested in knowing more about God and His Word. I think that's commendable. In a day and time when people are focused on the temporal, the transitory, the carnal things of this world, to know that there are people that are still interested in spiritual things. So what about these two ladies? Well, number one, what stands out to me, they were people of faith. And not just people of faith, but they were interested in passing on the faith to the future generations. So with that in mind, look again at what Paul says to Timothy. Let's just look at verse 5. Again, Paul calls to remembrance the genuine faith, he said, that is in you. That's in Timothy. He said, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And then he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. Well, that says a lot about this family, doesn't it? Here you have three generations of people of faith. And I would suspect that if we went back to Lois, that Lois had the opportunity to pass her faith on to her daughter Eunice. In turn, that faith was passed on to young Timothy. So they had tremendous influence in their lifetime. And note if you would what is said here. Paul said, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, the faith that existed in the heart of Timothy was not by accident, was it? But rather, it took people of dedication, training and teaching him. Now, let me just share with you a second thought here. Not only were these women interested in spiritual things, but they invested in spiritual things. There are many folks in the world today, they're always looking for a good investment, financially speaking. There are individuals in our world today, they specialize in financial investments. And that's a good thing, isn't it? But more importantly, what about investing in spiritual things? To recognize that there are things that rise above the temporal transitory things of this life. Think for a moment about the genesis of Timothy's faith. When did all of this begin in his life? And I want to talk more about it in just a moment or two. But over in chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul would say, And that from a baby or from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. There's a lot to be said for mamas and daddies bringing their children to Bible class. And I think about here at Olive Branch. We have classes that begin for our young kids, what, at 
three months of age, cradle roll? Can they learn at that young age, at that tender age? Well, the answer would be yes. And so what happens is, bit by bit, over time, they begin developing a storehouse of knowledge, don't they? And so not only do we read about the genesis of his faith, but the genuineness of his faith. Again, Paul said, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith which is in you. First, he said it was in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. I want you to think about this for a minute. Our children will not go to heaven on our faith. They're not going to go to heaven on our coattail. But they can go to heaven through our faith. That is, through the influence of our faith. What you say, what you do in your Christian life will have a bearing on your children. Now, I would grant that, you know, at some point in time, we have no control over their decision-making process. I mean, the goal is to rear our children so that when they get to a certain age, they're going to make wise decisions in life. But what we want to do is lay a foundation so that they might be able to discern, as the Hebrew writer said, between good and evil. That they'll know the difference between right and wrong, because we're not always going to be there, are we? Many of us have, we have seen maybe in our own backyard or front yard, maybe in a tree, we've seen a nest that's been built. And those little baby birds... And the mother tending to those birds and caring for those birds and feeding those birds. But at some point in time, those baby birds grow to a point where they can leave the nest. That's the goal of a parent, is it? isn't it? To rear our children in such a way so that they have developed a sense of faith and that, and that, that faith is their own faith. Now, there's a second thing I want to share with you. First, we talk about their insightfulness. But then, secondly, let's just spend some time and talk about their instruction in the home. They were willing to instruct Timothy in the home. So I want to begin, first of all, by observing when they taught Timothy. Now turn over, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and look at verse 15. Well, I'll tell you what, look at verse 14. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 14, listen to what Paul said. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood. Now let's just pause there for a minute. Paul said to Timothy, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. I said a minute ago, that's not accidental, is it? Go back and look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. You remember what Moses said to the children of Israel? God, of course, is the one who is setting forth the tenor, the tone of what Moses is to relay to the children of Israel. And he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. These words which I commend you today shall be in your heart. And then he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. So they were to teach, to instruct 
their children. Go back and look at the history of the Israelite nation. Following the death of Moses, who became the leader of the nation? Joshua did, didn't he? And Joshua was summoned to leadership. He was called upon by God to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And he did that. You can read about that in the book of Joshua. Joshua was a good man. He had been an assistant to Moses, served him. So he was well equipped to take on this position of leadership. So in the book of Judges, the Bible talks about the faithfulness of the children of Israel during the lifetime of Joshua. And not just during his lifetime, but also the elders who outlived him. Again, the children of Israel, faithful to God. But then the record says another generation came on the scene. So now we're talking about three generations of people. Another generation arose, and the Bible says they did not know the Lord nor yet the great works which he had done in Israel. Now let me ask this question. What happened? How could it have been the case that God's people were faithful during the lifetime of Joshua? I suspect that a lot of teaching was taking place, a lot of training in the home. And then what about the elders who outlived Joshua? Again, they were faithful to God. So from that we would deduce, again, teaching taking place in the home. But then another generation comes on the scene and they don't know what God has recorded. They don't know about His great work among the Israelite, Israelite nation. So what happened? Somebody failed to teach in the home. Go back again, look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. You shall teach them diligently to your children. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words... Your responsibility is to teach, instruct, and train your children. What about us today? Do we have certain responsibilities resting upon us, spiritually speaking, in the home? Well, Paul said that we are to rear our children, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I mentioned a moment ago the fact that you're here tonight. And many of you, your children are here. They're here because you're here. Doesn't that say something to them? Says something, something about your faith and your desire for them to be people of faith. So again, we ask the question, okay, when was Timothy taught? Well, he was taught when he was just a young fellow. There's a lot to be said for parents understanding the importance of children, be, children being in corporate Bible study, in the worship service, and then spending time outside corporate Bible study and worship. Spending time reading and studying, answering questions, talking about spiritual things. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see. First, observe when they began teaching Timothy, and then observe what they taught Timothy. Look again at what Paul said in verse 15. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. So when it came to the curriculum that was being taught in the home, well, they were taught the Word of God, weren't they? 
I think about the ABCs of Christianity. We have a great responsibility as parents to teach and instruct our children in the basics, the fundamentals, to let them know that God is the Creator and that God is not only the Creator of this universe, not only did He create man in His own image and likeness, but He is the sustainer of all things, isn't He? Isn't that what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3? That He upholds all things by the word of His power? So to understand and to try to instill in our children, number one, there's a God. And that God has creative power. That creative power is on display. Just look around in the world in which you live. As our children begin to grow and mature and advance in the classroom, one of the things that they're going to face from time to time is that of evolution. How did we get here? What are we doing here? Where are we headed? Those are basic fundamental questions that our children will have to grapple with. So what we want them to do, what we want them to understand is that God is the one that brought this world into existence. That God is the one who sustains us. And that the God we're talking about is interested in the welfare of His creation. Those are just some basics. And let me just add this too. I think it's imperative in this day and time that we lay a solid foundation when it comes to what I would call cardinal doctrines of the New Testament, the fundamentals of the faith. It's no secret that in churches of Christ we have lost scores and scores of young people in recent years. Why is that? Why is it that our young people are going to college, and then once they leave college, once they leave home, they're no longer interested in spiritual things. They're no longer interested in the church, the church of Christ. Is it possible? Well, let me just back up. I don't think it's possible. I believe it to be a fact. I think what has happened in churches of Christ in many, many places is that we have failed to teach the fundamentals of the faith. We have reared a generation, maybe two generations of folks that quite frankly know nothing about the distinctive nature of the church. And there are a lot of people in the church today, there are a lot of young people in their heart of hearts, they think of the church as just one among many denominations. And that goes back to the elders, those who preach, as well as mamas and daddies. When I see young people marry and then begin attending a denomination, what it says to me is, number one, there's no real conviction there about faith. And number two, what it says to me is they really don't understand the distinctive nature of the body of Christ. So, we have got to be people lovingly, kindly teaching first principles. We don't need to get away from that. We don't need to be ashamed of that. We don't need to apologize for preaching and teaching the truth of Almighty God. 
I mentioned not long ago, matter of fact, I think I mentioned, mentioned it in Bible class this morning, about a large congregation in the Nashville area. Just a few years ago, they began introducing the instrument in one of their services. And I remember hearing the preacher say from the pulpit, I watched it on YouTube, so this is public knowledge. And he got up in the pulpit, and in defense of what they were going to do, here's what he said. There hasn't been a sermon preached on instrumental music from this pulpit in 30 years. That is an indictment on that eldership. That is an indictment on those who filled that pulpit. If you don't preach and teach the fundamentals of the faith, if we don't tell people why we don't use the instrument, then we can't assume our young people know that. We can't assume that they know why. It's not because we can't afford a piano. It's not because we don't like instrumental music. It's because God has not authorized it. So we've got to teach about the authority of Scripture. So, His curriculum, God's Word. But what was the catalyst? What was the driving force behind Lois and Eunice teaching Timothy? That'd be a reason. So look now again at verse 15. Listen, if you would, to what Paul said. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Why then do we teach and preach why do we try to lay a foundation in the home and start talking to our, our children, our grandchildren, about God and Christ and the church? Because we want them to understand the importance of salvation, don't we? Aren't we trying to point our children in the direction of Jesus? Didn't Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, the life, no man comes unto the Father but by me? And was it not the apostles who said, neither is there salvation in any other? There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We want our children, when it's all said and done, we want them to be saved in Christ Jesus, don't we? Where will your children spend eternity? Somebody in answering that question said, in all probability, where you spend eternity. Now again, I understand as parents... When our children reach a cert certain age and they're on their own, we don't make decisions for them. We can encourage them. We can pray for them. We can try to teach them. But at some point, it's on them. But as long as they're in our home, we want them to understand the importance of living for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There is no greater endeavor in life than to live a life that is focused on Christ Jesus. It was great to see our children thrive academically, athletically. As they grow older, to have a family of their own. To see them excel in the corporate world, in the business world. I mean, all that's great, and we want to see that. But... Ultimately, what we're really trying to do is point them in the direction of heaven. You remember the psalmist in Psalm 127? He said, except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And then he said, 
As arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of our youth. And so what he's saying there is, just like a warrior takes a bow and arrow, and he takes that arrow and points at a target. Our goal, our goal as parents, grandparents, is to point our children in the direction of heaven. Because we want them to go to heaven. That's our goal. Now, there's a third thing I want to share with you very quickly. It has to do with their influence. Timothy became a key figure in the New Testament, didn't he? Paul had come in contact with Timothy. Timothy had the opportunity to travel with Paul, to learn from Paul. I think Paul was a great mentor to him. But if you look at the life of Timothy, think about the influence that was exerted on him in the home. So when the Apostle Paul came along, he was ready to go, wasn't he? As we would say, he was ripe for the picking. And so, number one, let's just think for a moment or two about the example of Timothy. When Paul wrote his first letter back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in faith, in love, in spirit, and purity. So what Paul was saying to Timothy was, Timothy, I want you to show the world, I want you to show other people what it means to be a New Testament Christian. How do you do that? Well, number one, by what you say. Number two, by what you do, how you carry yourself, your conduct. When people see you, I want them to see a New Testament Christian. Well, who was responsible for that? Well, no doubt Paul had a lot to do with it. But don't you think that Lois and Eunice paved the way for Timothy to become a great example in the Lord's church? Same is true today. Parents and grandparents that have reared their children in the Lord. And we see those children grow and mature. And as they grow and mature, we look at their example and what an attraction they are to their peers, to their friends, people they work with, people that they go to school with. Secondly, not only was Timothy a great example in the faith, but he became a great educator in the faith. Somebody says, well, how do you know that? Well, let's just look again at 2 Timothy chapter 4 now. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, listen now to Paul, and Paul is about to depart this world. Paul understands that death is imminent. He will lose his life at the hands of Nero Caesar. So Paul is summoning Timothy to rise up and to preach and teach the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Timothy becomes a great messenger, and the beauty of it is he has a great message to share. Here's what Paul said, I charge you therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. It is appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So Paul is saying to Timothy, look, I'm going to be leaving this world. And you have the responsibility to carry on my work. Can you imagine filling the shoes of the Apostle Paul? I said something a moment ago about Joshua. 
When Moses died, Joshua was summoned to stand in his shoes and carry, carry on the work to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. What that says to me is every person in the body of Christ is incredibly important. And so, just as great a man as Paul was, or for that matter, Moses, they could be replaced by someone following them. It might be the case that we have a Timothy right here in this assembly tonight. Think about that for a minute. You know, I have thought over the years since I've been here, I have thought, and I've talked to some of our young folks, there's been a time or two that I really believed that one of our young folks was going to go to school and become a preacher. Hadn't happened yet. It might be the case that you're sitting there thinking, won't be me. I understand that. When I was your age, had I been in your shoes, I'd have said the same thing. Not a chance. Not interested. But you know what? Time has a way of changing things. That might be that some of our young folks that have already moved on, maybe they will want to preach one day. But it might just be the case that you're here tonight and you've been thinking about it. And you can become a great preacher in the Lord's church. Because listen, we need preachers. We need preachers, teachers, elders, deacons, Bible class teachers. We need faithful ladies who will marry men who can encourage their mate to serve as an elder, a deacon, a Bible class teacher, a song leader maybe even to preach. We have supported some folks that they had already gone to work in the world, had a good career, made the decision they wanted to preach, left secular work, went to school, and guess what? Now they're preaching. That could be you. I want to encourage you tonight, particularly our young folks, I want to encourage you to think about your role in the Lord's church. Timothy had a role that was carved out for him. You could be the next Timothy. You could become the next preacher or teacher of the gospel. In closing, to those of you that exemplify the traits of Lois and Eunice, Listen, I, I want you to know we appreciate you. We're grateful to God for you. I want to close by sharing with you an Old Testament example. You remember a lady by the name of Hannah? Remember her? Hannah was barren. And she desperately wanted a child, didn't she? And you remember she prayed to God for a child. And she prayed to God for that child and she said... As long as this child lives, he'll be given to the Lord. Those of you that are parents, grandparents, prospective parents, pray for children. And pray that your children will faithfully serve the Lord. And that one day, 
they'll be in heaven with you. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for your love for us. We're so grateful for the lives of Lois and Eunice. We're thankful for their example, for their instruction. And Father, we thank you for the mothers that make up this congregation, not just the mothers, but the grandmothers and great-grandmothers, for their tremendous influence, for their love and their encouragement. And Father, we pray that you would give them the wisdom that they need in a difficult age to shape, mold, teach, and train their children. And Father, we pray that our young people here tonight we pray for them that they would have the wisdom to make wise decisions in this life, that they would understand the importance of spiritual things and that they would invest in spiritual things. Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to come to Christ? Could I encourage you to become a child of God? We read a minute ago about Timothy and his genuine faith. You can begin a life of faith tonight. If you're a young person, you haven't obeyed the gospel, I can tell you this. If your mama's here tonight, if your daddy's here tonight, they'd love to see you become a child of God. They would love to see you take that step of faith. I know you believe Jesus to be the Son of God. We all believe that. But would you be willing to act upon that faith, to respond with a penitent heart, to confess the name of Christ, to be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away? Let God put you in the church and then be faithful until death. If you're here tonight, and maybe you're a Christian, but your life's not what it ought to be, and you need to make things right with God, and you want the prayers of the church, listen, please. We would be more than honored pray on your behalf tonight. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. And the beauty is God will abundantly pardon. That's what John said, 1 John 1 verse 9. If you're here tonight, you need to respond to the invitation. Please do so as we stand and sing.